Just remind them of who you are. You know every hair that's on their head? Remind them of who you are. For those struggling financially this morning, wondering how they're going to pay this or do that, Lord, remind them of who you are today, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who does provide, and you may not do it when we want or how we want, but you're always on time. As Jonathan said, Lord, we have a track record, a Rolodex. We can look back and see all the times you've met all of our needs according to your riches and glory. So may we not faint right now because we're at the precipice of a new trial, a new test. May, may we look back and say the same God who was with me then is with me now because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Bless the person, Lord, who... Just need some encouragement in their soul. Thank you that the word of God is able to do that. So, Lord, have your way. Speak to me. Speak through me. Speak to your people. Thank you for what you're going to reveal today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you believe that he won't fail, can you say amen? Amen. Now, he'll stretch us. But he won't fail he won't leave us. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Well, about 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, when I used to have cartilage in my knees, is this thing going, is it going to work with me? What we got? What we got? We don't know. Okay. But we do have a backup, you said, right? There's a thing. All right. We're going to permanent. Number two here. We're going to permanently boot this microphone. That's on my ear. Can the church say Amen. My, my brothers looked at it, checked it, did all of that, and it's still tripping. But he won't fail. Don't play with it. about 10 years ago when I had cartilage in my knees I took part in a personal training program at a local facility in Cool Springs myself and some other people from the church were a part of that we would get up early in the morning and go to this place and do all kinds of routines running up and down the stairs, running outside around the facility, flipping tractor tires, uh, being on weights, doing all kind of calisthenics and drills. And, uh, and it was fun. It, it was good. And, um, but there would be days that after we had been doing it for a while, you, you're kind of getting into a routine and you're understanding that I know when I come in here today, they're going to halfway kill us. But I know what drills we're going to do. So let me get my mind right 
for what we're about to do. But, but these trainers would pull quick ones on us. And they would change the routine of the workout just when we started getting used to the workout. And that would make me upset. Because it seemed like they were just making stuff up for us to do. <laughs> and I just got used to doing the other stuff that we had been doing for a couple of weeks. And so now there's new stuff. And, and they would say to us, we, we have to switch the routine up to keep you from getting comfortable. Because if you get comfortable, you won't work as hard. And if you get comfortable, uh, you will not grow. So we've got to switch it up and cause you to strain a little bit differently. We're going to work the same muscles. We're just going to work them in a different way. So we got to change up the routine in order to expand your growth in fitness. We got to keep you from getting comfortable. Now, whenever they would switch it up, we would start complaining. Yeah, Elder Clifton was in that group with me. I'll say his name. He, he was in that group. He would complain with me. And then, you remember that, don't you? And there would be times, now, this, I'm going to tell on myself. I would look at the trainer, at his physical stature. And I would say, hey, man, you need to be out here with us the way you look. So now I got, I got issues. Now, now I'm biting and, and, and I'm complaining about the workout. Because when you start getting stretched, the tendency is to complain. Ask the children of Israel when they had to trust God for food and for drink and they would complain because changing the routine always is accompanied with complaining. Well, God is our personal trainer and he's here to get us in spiritual shape he allows us to go through trials and tests and tribulations so that we might grow up in our salvation and look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday uh, we've got to work out our salvation as Paul said with fear and trembling not work for but work it out so that we may grow up into maturity in Christ. And with God being the personal trainer, he has the right and the authority to change the routine when he wishes without getting our permission or approval first. I should have got an amen on that, but maybe you're still thinking because on Friday in the men's Bible study, one of the things that produces anger in us as we looked at the life of Jonah is that when we can't control things, we get angry. When we can't control God, we get angry. And there are times when God will switch things on us and cause us to get angry with him. And when we get angry in one place, now we're irritated on a whole bunch of other things because we just mad. And I've come to realize that, man, when I can't control something, I get angry. But God is trying to teach me he's in control and I am not and not to fight with him because it's futile for the clay to question the potter. Trust the potter. Who are you with your finite noodle mind? 
But when God changes the routine without telling us, he is usually taking us into a season of expanding. A season of growth. Why? He doesn't want us to get comfortable. Because when we get comfortable, we don't pray like we used to. When we get comfortable, we don't read the Bible like we used to. When we get comfortable, we just mosey on into church and offer a little praise to God. But So God says, I, I got to shake some stuff up so that you can grow up in your salvation. But it's my prayer that as God is taking Strong Tower into a season of expanding, I pray there won't be too much complaining in the house. Knowing the tendency that we all have, when change comes, we usually are going to complain. And since you can't talk about the trainer, you're going to talk about the under trainer in the flesh. That's me. Look at Pastor. Who do you think he is? I'm just trying to lead as I'm being led. Some of it I don't like either. But in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, we have the verse that helps our vision that sets our vision as a church. And it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, that's race. There's neither slave nor free, that's class. There's neither male nor female, that's gender. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one, but we are not the same. And our identity in Christ gives definition to our various distinctives in race, class, and gender. Being in Christ does not erase those things. It just helps define who we are and allows us to appreciate who other people are. So that's our vision. And, and so for us, our vision is to experience God's diverse kingdom, because that's what Paul is writing about in Galatians 3.28, the diversity within the kingdom of God. So our vision is to experience this diversity, explain this diversity and then also to expand the diverse kingdom of God. So we are in a season right now of expanding God's diverse kingdom. Several weeks ago, I talked to you about God was putting some things on my heart by way of planting churches, expanding his kingdom through local churches, churches that are diverse, churches preferably that are led by people of color, um, black men, as Michael Emerson came here and said so profoundly back in the month of June. So we want to see God's kingdom expanded through church planting. Now, as a result of that, that means we're trying to develop leaders. We're making disciples who make disciples. And as a pastor now for almost 30 years, my heart goes out to pastors and I want to help people learn some of the things that I have learned the hard way and some of the things I've learned when the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Um, there are things, this gray head didn't just come here. It, it, it came because of some sleepless nights. And, and so I just want to help people. No person who starts a multiracial church should ever have to feel that they are alone. And they should know that they are not alone because others are standing with them who've walked that path. And so as a result, I love pouring into leaders and I love learning from leaders. And when we come to our text today with Joshua, Joshua is a great leader. And there's a lot that we can learn from him, whether you're a pastor or not, because we're all leaders in our own right. Um, in our places of business, our homes, our communities, we're all leaders. And there are some basic principles that just jump off the page and 
chapter 1 of the book of Joshua about how to lead. One principle is that when a person is a leader, they really need to hear from God. So when the book of Joshua opens up, the Bible talks about how the word of the Lord came to Joshua. So if you're a leader, you, you have to hear from God. And God speaks primarily, not only, but primarily through his word. Because when you're a leader, you're going to have to do things that uh, other people may not understand. And so when God spoke to Joshua, this was not him speaking to Joshua and the other elders and leaders. There will come a time for that. But God says, I got to speak to the leader first. Because there will come a time where leading, you may enjoy leading by consensus, and that's important. But sometimes, as leaders, you have to lead by conviction. You don't always have to wait around or, or have the privilege of waiting around for consensus. You have to lead by conviction. You're being compelled by God. So he comes and he speaks to Joshua. Another thing in Joshua about leadership is that when God speaks to him, he promises his presence. What we were just singing, singing about. God told Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. For a leader to know that the presence of God is with them as they're uh, standing ready to expand for God. You got to hear from God. You got to know he's with you because sometimes as a leader, you're going to feel lonely and alone. But that's where truth comes in because you know you're not alone even if you feel alone. I, I'm hope, I hope I'm helping a couple of leaders today. But not only that, um, when God is calling a leader to expand, he's going to tell him or her, be strong and courageous. Now, three times God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. And Joshua was a strong and courageous individual. He already was. He was Moses' general. He was Moses' assistant. He was a strong man. But God is saying, I need you to be strong and courageous because where you're going, you're about to face things you've never seen before. You're about to fight battles you've never fought before. I know you're strong. I know you've done some things. I know you have a resume. That's good. That's how bring you to this point. But the giants you're about to face, I need you to be strong and courageous. And when God repeats himself, that means you better pay attention. So when God tells him three times to be strong and courageous, well, I guess he needs to be strong and courageous. Because if you're going to be a leader, you got to be strong and you got to be courageous. Now, God tells him three times, but a little bit later in chapter one, the people tell Joshua to be strong and courageous. So Joshua's like, yeah, we're going to cross over, y'all. And the people are like, okay, we with you. We will obey what you say. But, but leader, we just need you to be strong and courageous. Why is that? Because the people don't want to follow a leader that is weak and fearful. Hmm? You want to follow a leader who is strong and courageous, not arrogant or belligerent. That's not what we're talking about. But someone whose strength comes from God, because that gives you hope that what God has done for that leader, God will do for and in you. Courageous. That leader will go forward even if his or her knees are knocking. Courageous. We'll stand up and we'll move out. We'll stand up because we're strong and we'll move out because we're courageous. Because God spoke to me. 
God said that he would be with me. And God is telling me to be strong and courageous. But then God said to Joshua, now before you go on this mission, I need you to be in this book. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's in it. So my brother, if you're going to be a leader, you got to be in this book, the Bible, the word of God. And then finally, just another principle is that after you have heard from God and he assures you of his presence and he tells you to be strong and of good courage and you get in his book, now you got to communicate vision and expectation to your leaders. And the Bible talks about in chapter one how Joshua went and talked to his leaders and he says, prepare yourselves for tomorrow or rather in three days we're crossing over the Jordan. Get ready, leaders. And then he reminds them of the vision that God first planted in Moses, that I'm going to give you the land. And now Joshua's saying, we're going to get the land. I'm going to remind you of the vision. And now I got to tell you to get ready. Communicate to your leaders. Well, Joshua, oh, I love leaders. We'll go on to lead Israel. I'm about to make a left turn on y'all. Get ready. I hope you buckled up. Joshua will go on to lead Israel at crossing the Jordan. Because they're going to go over the Jordan in flood stage. The water's overflowing. Moses' generation had the Red Sea. Joshua's generation is going to have the Jordan River. Not only will they cross over the Jordan River miraculously on dry ground, but they're going to have the strength and the fortitude to take the first stronghold city, and that being Jericho. Joshua is going to lead them in that. But... Now, now, Elder Sherman, here's a good use of the word but. But Joshua's success and the nation's success hinged and predicated on the bravery and the ingenuity of a woman. of a woman so as great as Joshua was and all the great things that Israel did those things would not have happened without God setting it up where a woman a woman with a past who expressed bravery and great ingenuity that helped lead to their success so today I want to preach a message entitled the woman who helped Israel. The woman who helped Israel. Well, Joshua was not the only leader who exercised faith in Yahweh. He was not the only leader who exercised faith in Yahweh. Because as a leader in her own right, Rahab or Rahab, also exercised faith in Yahweh. So it just wasn't Joshua. It was also Rahab or Rahab. Pastor, what's the point? Well, when you read the first six chapters of Joshua, in addition to Yahweh or the Lord and Moses who just died, and he's mentioned in chapter one, the only other two names that are specifically mentioned in those six chapters are Joshua and Rahab or Rahab. No other names. Those two names. 
And I believe God, again, is calling us take attention to this. Why? Because uh, God is about to show all of us about a woman who helped Israel. And Rahab is going to teach us that you can't be a leader without taking risks. Again, some of us are more prone to be comfortable than to be courageous. And sometimes following God, well, many times, it will require doing things you've never done, going places you've never been, saying things you've never said, reading books you've never read, talking to people you've never spoken to. Why? Because God is always up to doing a new thing. He's not content on complacement. I'm just complacent. No, 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 no. He, I got to grow you. And so in order to do that, he'll call us to do things we've never done. And once we see that God can do some stuff that no man can do, we then are sitting in a boat with our friends and we see him on the water. And we say, Lord, if that's you, command me to come on out there with you. Come on. Jesus didn't say, no, man, stay in there. We don't do that. No, no, no. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. I like that kind of faith that's willing to take a risk and do what no man has ever done. You know how when they landed on the moon, one step for man, another step for mankind. Peter stepped out that boat and he was walking on water. And he was cool until what? He took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the wind and the waves and probably looked back at his friend saying, no, don't do it, don't do it. And he sank. But God loves it when we take risks because, again, not being foolhardy, but believing. Again, follow me by faith, not always by reason. Reason will get us in trouble and keep us in the boat or on the other side of the Jordan making excuses for why we can't cross over. But I want you to see some things about this woman who, who was willing to risk everything. Listen to this, y'all. Rahab was willing to risk everything, including her life, for a God she barely knew. She didn't grow up like the Hebrew people, knowing who Yahweh is. She, she heard about him, and, and, and by the hearing of him, she, she put faith in him. And as we're going to read, her life was changed. So she didn't know him for a long time, but I have to stop and pause and ask, how long you been walking with God? And you haven't taken any risks yet. I know for some of y'all joining this church was a risk because you got talked about. And I hope that taking the risk has proven that, man, I'm right where God wants me to be. Forget what people say and what they think, man. Rahab helped Israel. And may she help us today. The first thing I want you to see, Strong Tower, is Rahab helped the two men by hiding them. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. Stop and pause. Joshua sent out two. Moses sent out twelve. Of the 12 Moses sent out, only two came back with a good report. One of them was Joshua. The other was Caleb. Now, Joshua is the leader of Israel. And he's like, I'm not sending out 12. I'm only going to send out two. Because he learned from 
the past generation, that's what they did. New generation, this is how we going to do it. <laughs> so he sends them out. And then he says, the Bible says, so they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. Then in verse six, but she had brought them, excuse me, but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So she helped these men by hiding them. Um, her faith went into action. And when it's time to expand, like Joshua, we've got to think differently. And when it's time to expand and take a risk, we got to do things differently. This woman hid these men. But secondly, Rahab helped the two men by lying for them. Are all the students out of the church right now? Are they still in here? I don't want nobody going home saying, Pastor Chris said it's okay to lie. Well, but let's look at verse 4 again of chapter 2. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me. But I did not know where they were from. That's a lie. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I don't know. That's a lie. Pursue them quickly for you may overtake them. So she lied. Can't stay here long. Can't stay here long. Got to keep moving. But in military times, you don't go around telling people what you're going to do. Those of you who've been in the military, there's secrets you've got to have. And apparently, it was okay to lie in this situation because to tell the truth would have gotten those men killed. So she exercised a level of wisdom, and, and she lied. But that don't mean you go home and lie. But let me, let me, let me just, Chauncey, um, you don't have this challenge. But there are brothers who do have the challenge. What? When your wife come out and say, do you like this new hairstyle? You got to count the cost on that. So if you say, yeah, baby, I love it. And you lying. Is God going to bless the lie? But anyway, anyway, let, let, me, let, me, let me keep moving. She helped him by lying. Um, thirdly, Rahab helped the two men by speaking prophetically to them. Verse 8. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we know, for we have heard rather how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you for the Lord, your God. He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath she spoke prophetically to these guys up on the roof after she hid them you see prophecy or speaking prophetically 
is to speak God's word accurately and boldly about the future and the present. So when someone is speaking prophetically, they're speaking accurately and they're speaking boldly God's word, the truths of God about the future and the present. So how is she being prophetic here? Well, she was being prophetic about the future because she said in verse eight, excuse me, verse nine, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. They haven't even stepped foot over there yet. But she said, I know God has already given it to you. She sounds just the way God spoke in chapter one when he spoke to Joshua saying, every place your footstep I have given to you. So I'm speaking prophetically about what's going to happen. She's speaking prophetically about the future. And was it accurate? You better believe it. She was speaking prophetically. I know God has already given. He's already done it. But here's the prophetic word in the present. My people around here are faint hearted. Are faint hearted. Present tense. Not were. No, are. The future is past tense when you're speaking prophetically. She said God already gave you all the land. But let me talk prophetically in the present. We are faint hearted. At least they are. I ain't faint hearted no more because I know who God is. And that's why I'm trying to work this deal out with y'all right now. Because I'm a believer in Yahweh. I heard about his exploits. Oh my goodness. She's speaking prophetically. I love this. I love this. When the two men got back to Joshua, they shared with Joshua the words that she spoke in chapter 2, verses 23 through 24. And they used the words she used. They said, the people are faint-hearted. Where did they get that from? From her. She spoke prophetically. They took that back to the leader. The leader heard what she said. And a man who was already courageous had his faith bolstered even the more, saying God is with us. Why? Because it's confirmed through the mouth of this woman who said God has given, and they are terrified. Chapter 3 then opens up, they set out. They set out after they got that confirming word from a woman with a pass. Now, this is a lot different than when, because basically, the men believe what the woman said. Not like at the tomb after the woman saw Jesus, and Jesus said, go tell the apostles, the ones who aren't here right now at the tomb because they scared. Go tell them that I've risen and to meet me in Galilee. They go and tell the men, the men do not believe the women. You do know there are some men who won't believe the word simply because it's spoken through women. I used to be like that a long time ago, but I'm so glad that's used to be. But I'm praying with people who may struggle with the vessel to the point where you miss the message. A woman who was a prostitute spoke a prophetic word that emboldened Joshua's faith and moved the nation of Israel into action. Fourthly, Rahab helped the two men by letting them down on a scarlet rope. 
verse 15 of chapter 2. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And then verse 17 and 18. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers and all your father's household to your home. So what's happening here? It's time for them to go back now. They didn't got their word. They're going back. And then she lets them down through her window because her house is situated on the wall. She just so happens to have not only a rope, but a rope, the color of scarlet in her house. I don't think that's an accident because that scarlet rope symbolizes something. The scarlet rope uh, symbolizes, just like what we did this morning, we, the blood of Jesus was symbolized through the juice. The scarlet cord, red, symbolizes that they were being saved by the blood. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. How are we saved? By the blood of the lamb. So in a sense, this woman is like a Christ figure. Because she's not only being used to save these guys, but she's also being used to save her family. Because she's saying, look, uh, I'm not just thinking about myself, but, but what about my family? And the men said, long as they're in your house, and we see this red on the window of your house, everybody in your house will be saved. My God, thank you for this woman. I know it was the blood. Then finally... Rahab helped the two men by instructing them. Verse 16, the Bible says, and she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So she's given them intel. She's given them instructions. And then in verse 22, they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days. Until the pursuers returned, the pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the men did what the woman said to do. Sometimes there's trouble if, if we're married in our homes because some men don't lead as servant leaders. They attempt to lead like dictators. And they don't listen to their wives. If that's you, you are foolish. You're out of order because the Bible says that husbands and wives are to submit to each other. She doesn't do all the submitting because before Paul says that in Ephesians 5.22, he tells them both submit to each other out of fear for the Lord. And if your wife has trouble submitting, brother, it might be that she's never seen you do it. Are y'all... Talking about, I'm the head. Yeah, yeah, you're the head. But don't forget what Proverbs says. She's the crown that sits on the head. I'm just in the book. She helped them by instructing them, and they listened and followed. Their lives were saved. Well, the next season of expanding God's diverse kingdom for Strong Tower would not only include church planting, 
And I'm going to share more about that with you in weeks to come. It will also include additional empowerment of women in this church as we expand going into a new year. The additional empowerment of women in our church, but also the formal ordination of women into the gospel ministry. Amen. And if you're new, um, there is precedence here at this church. Many years ago, probably almost 20 years ago, we had a woman's ministry director on staff who was just killing the game, shepherding women, just teaching the Bible and, and, and just amazing. Christy McClellan did a bang up job here. And the elders one day were in a meeting and, and, and we want to make sure like, number one, we recognize her gifts. She never said anything to us. We saw her gifts. And one of the first things we wanted to do was to do justly and ask the question, if she's doing work like a pastor, she should be paid like a pastor. Uh -huh. So that was the beginning right there. She, she, she's doing the work. She doesn't have the title, but she's working. She's shepherding. So let's not trip over traditions. Let's do what's right. And then after that, it's like, you know what? Why don't we go ahead and ordain her? There's nothing that says we can't. Um, we're free to do this in the Lord. Let's ordain her. And so there's precedence, and we ordain Christy into the gospel ministry, which allowed her to do things that male ordained ministers could do, like marrying people and on and on. But let me keep moving. You see, ordination is important because it's the public laying on of hands that speaks of the transference of authority. Moses laid hands on Joshua in front of all the people, signifying authority is being transferred to Joshua. That's what ordination is about. It's the transference of authority, and it's also the acknowledgement of gifts and calling on the individual. All of this is public. We're acknowledging God has called you. God has his hands on you, and we're just putting our hands on someone God already put his hands on first. And we also want to give acknowledgement of your gifting. You, you can teach and handle the word well. You shepherd people well. So we're just doing publicly what's already been done in the spiritual. And we ordained Christy, and that was one of the greatest things our church has ever done. Because I did not come from that. But I'm so glad, again, that where I came from, I'm not expected to stay there. You know, it's good to get started, but you got to grow. And there are things I see in the word now that I didn't see back then. I don't put down those days or people who may not see what I see, but I see things differently. And that's OK. We have people in this church right now. The things I'm about to say and teach on in weeks to come, you don't see it the way I see it. That's all right. But as God is expanding, I'm just asking that you don't sit around complaining about the workout. I took you back to the introduction. That was brilliant, wasn't it? So when a person is ordained, not only can they do weddings, but they can do funerals, they can preside over all kinds of things. But then here's another thing in this country, you get tax benefits. You can get housing allowance. So why should men just get that? 
So we want to do justly, and we did, and we con- will continue. It's just time to do it again. And so there are going to be some women ordained in the gospel ministry officially. They're already in it. They're already doing it. We're going to ordain three women before the end of this year um, publicly, recognize the gifts on them, the calling on them to be ordained ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the end of the year. Those women are Dr. Jewel Gibson, Felicia Mason, and my wife, Dorena Williamson. Going to ordain them. Going to ordain them. Going to ordain them. Going to ordain them. My wife was preaching yesterday in Chicago. Before that, where were you preaching before you went to Chicago? Okay, you were in California, teaching, preaching. And then she's teaching, preaching at Taylor University later this month. Um, Our ladies are doing it. And it's time to acknowledge that. But for those, again, who struggle, it's okay. I'm asking you, let me help you. You may not arrive at where I am, but if you can at least understand how I got here and that we can have unity in the church, even though we have different views, that's great. It's a beautiful thing. That's the diverse kingdom. It's not about uniformity. It's about unity. And we truly have unity on the major doctrines of the Christian faith. So, 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 so I have a series that I'm going to be doing through the end of the year called uh, Women Who Help to Expand God's Diverse Kingdom. So I'm going to be talking about it. Women Who Help to Expand God's Diverse Kingdom. Well, Joshua and the nation of Israel, as I mentioned, could not have expanded into the promised land without the bravery and ingenuity of a woman named Rahab. And the seizing of expanding God's diverse kingdom through strong tower will not only include church planting, but it will also include the empowerment and the formal ordination of women into the gospel ministry. But before I close, can I talk to you a little bit more about Rahab, the woman who helped Israel? I I said, can I talk to you a little bit more about Rahab, the woman who helped Israel? See, now I need my organist back here. Somebody get tired. Rahab would go on to marry a Hebrew man named Salman. Tradition says he was one of the two spies on the roof that night. Rahab would go on to give birth to a son named Boaz. Boaz married a woman named Ruth. Ruth had a son named Perez. Perez had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. And David had a great, 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 great grandson named Jesus, also known as Yeshua. All this started because a woman named Rahab exercised faith in Yahweh. And her faith went into action and she stood up and took a risk. 
risked her life in order to save other people's lives and she succeeded married a man and had children who would have children who would have children who would lead us to Jesus and God thought so highly of Rahab that she is one of the five women mentioned in Jesus's genealogy in Matthew chapter one Tamar Ruth Bathsheba Mary and our girl Rahab God thought so highly of Rahab that she's mentioned in four books of the Bible. She's found in Joshua. She's found in Matthew. She's found in Hebrews. She's found in the book of James. And the Bible always tells us to mimic, imitate her faith. Thank God. God thought so highly of Rahab that she would be one of the two women mentioned in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Thank God for Rahab. And thank God for the women in our church who lead us, who teach us, who empower us, who instruct us, who take risks as Lasagna does, who goes out, who, who helps us men to step up and say, we, we, we got to step our game up. We're expanding Strong Tower. There's more to come, but please stand on your feet. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful, as Elder Sherman said, that you are blessing the things that you are doing so that we don't have to ask you to bless the stuff that we're doing. No, God, we join you in what you're doing to advance your kingdom, your name, and your cause. And I thank you for how you've always included women in your program. Forgive us for when we have not done so. Forgive us for when we have not always seen the gifting, the abilities, the calling that you've placed on women, yet alone their bravery, their ingenuity, their prophetic voices, and their wisdom. God, we're following you. It's time to grow again. We thank you that we have a track record with you as Jonathan led us in worship. And we know, God, that wherever you lead us, you're already there. Wherever you lead us, you're walking with us every step of the way. Lord, I thank you for churches that will stand with Strong Tower, that will come out of Strong Tower to see your kingdom expanded. Not our name, but to you, O oh God, be all the glory. Lord, do it. Why not? Why not? God, we're not content to be where we are. We want to grow. We want to see your grace reach more and more people. We want to see people fed, people clothed, people educated, people saved. We want to see it all, Jesus. Why not? You are coming. Your salvation, our salvation is nearer now than it was before. We want to occupy till you come. We want to serve. We want to be your hands. We want to be your feet. We want to be your mouth. We want to be your heart. And we thank you for what we learned about the Holy Spirit, that when he fills us, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have vision. And your men and your women will prophesy. There is a word, not only in this house, but in the world, that's going to come from this church through men and through women. Lord, I thank you for women in this church. As we talk about ordination, there are other women in this church who are doing gospel work in the community. 
I can't wait to stand with them in an official capacity and lay hands on them and authorize them to continue to go forth and bear much fruit in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for our deaconesses who are part of this church and we're going to add to that number installing, ordaining deacons, deaconesses. Lord, we're trying to get our house in order so that you can bless this house in ways that are just beyond us. So when we leave this place, help us to study the word more than we're willing to complain and critique and criticize. Help us to be like the Bereans, as my sister-in-law always says, let's study the Bible. Thank you for Rahab's story. It not only gives women hope, God, it gives me hope. If I can be like this sister right here, my God, thank you. Now unto him, we pray it every week and we mean it because you mean it. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. And it's according to the power that's working within us. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Can you hug a couple of people before you leave? Can you hug a couple of folks before you leave? Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Thank you for joining us today at Strong Tower Bible Church, where Dr. Chris Williamson is senior pastor. We hope you enjoyed worshiping with us and will join us next Sunday morning right here for our 1030 a.m. service. Be sure to stay informed on upcoming Strong Tower Bible Church events and activities. Download the Strong Tower Bible Church app in the App Store or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. We pray you have a blessed day wonderful and safe remainder of the day and we'll see you next week same time right here at the tower 